we're sort of rounding out the series on spiritual gifts. And uh, to do that, uh, I'm going to bookmark or bookend uh, this morning uh, sermon by reading uh, a couple of, well, the same chapter twice, but um, once at the beginning and once at the end. So uh, welcome. Come in, sit down. Um, If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn there because we're going to be back there later on. It's Romans 12, and I'm going to read the whole chapter because it's only 21 verses. So uh, I've listened to it several times this week, uh, and it doesn't take too long to read. So uh, let me just read it to you, and then I want you to just reflect for a moment on what's most stood out to you, and then we'll do it again at the end and see if anything has changed. I appeal to you, therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of themselves more highly than they ought but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving... The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, but hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's the word of the Lord. We'll go back there later. Father, I pray that we would be a church family that models and lives out these verses, that we would be those who serve you, who love our enemies and who use the gifts that you have given to us in order to bless and serve you to bless and serve those around us, to live in harmony with one another. 
Speak this morning, Lord. Continue to speak and change lives through the power of your words. Amen. Uh, if it's your first time signing on, uh, my name is Aaron. Uh, I've got to meet Ray this morning, who's been amongst us uh, in person. It's fantastic to sort of have that kind of weird scenario. <laughs> it's quite enjoyable, isn't it? It's almost a bit, um, I don't know, I suppose it's a bit like internet dating or a blind date in some way. Um, <laughs> you sort of, you're not quite sure, you know, I'll wear a, ro- a red rose in my lapel or something. Um, well, that's in the book, I don't know. But anyway, it's interesting to have that sort of kind of strange scenario and quite fun. Um, but my name's Aaron, I'm one of the elders here, and we, as I said, we're finishing up a series on spiritual gifts. And uh, this morning, I want to ask you a question. Well, first of all, I want to ask, does anyone know what this says? In the room, I can't, obviously, I can't gauge your response online. I'm sure there are people who would know online. Does anyone know what this, this is? This is a, a sort of, well, semi-famous. I read it in a book, where, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was, the book, but it was a book... Um, when I was about sort of 18, 19, raison d'etre. It's a French phrase. Uh, I probably butchered the pronunciation, but that's what you get for a, a lad from South Oxy. Um, does anyone have, want to have a guess at what it means? Reason? Yeah, reason. It's reason for being. What is your raison d'etre, they would say? What is your reason for existence? Why do you exist? So I want to ask you, do you have a life ambition? I'm not sure if you're allowed to do a question and answer, to be honest. So we may have just broken some rules there. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But what is your life's ambition? What is the the reason that you exist? Maybe that's too big a question for you uh, in this heat. Um, But I think it's an important question, isn't it? It's an interesting one. Why, Why do I exist? What is my reason for being? Maybe you know what it is, and that's, that's great. But if you don't, and if that's too big for you, what's one thing that you think, oh, if I just did that thing, it would make such a big difference in my life? Maybe there's you know, a section of wall that hasn't been painted, and you think, oh, if I just painted that, that would stop annoying me every single day. Or there's some other task that you could do, or a habit that you could adopt, and you think, if I just did that, it would... It would change my life. It would benefit me in some way. I, I thought of the wall because part of the wall in the hub has been repaired, which it's been it's on our to-do list for a long time. So thank you for those who did that. Um, but what is that thing that you could do? And what is stopping you? What's stopping you? What's stopping you from doing it? And that's the, how I want to end this series, how we want to sort of round out this series to some extent is to say, what's stopping you? Now, a very obvious answer would be lockdown. Um, but I think actually we can, you know, we can get around that in some ways in that we can still use spiritual gifts even in the context that we're in and potentially might be in for another couple of weeks. But before we look at what's stopping us, as I said, we're finishing. So I want to just recap very briefly some of the ground that we've covered and then we'll look at what's stopping us, what can stop us from making the most of the gifts that we've been given So we started uh, reading uh, from 1 Corinthians that we spent a few weeks in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, where Paul is responding to some questions that he's been answered, uh, that he's been asked by the Corinthian church. And he's saying he doesn't want them to be uninformed 
about spiritual gifts. He wants them to be, yes, using the gifts as they are, but in, in an informed and orderly way. That there's, there's a possibility for an individual or a church even to be moving in the gifts very powerfully, and yet for it to be disorderly, chaos, not actually that glorifying to God in some way. So actually we're pursuing an informed view and an orderly way of using the gifts. And we've spoken about how the purpose of the gifts is to build the church. That our aim should be the benefit of others, not to look at ourselves and go, how can I make myself the most important and the most famous We've looked at the importance of selflessly and sacrificially loving one another and how that's actually to be held in higher esteem than any of the gifts. That's of more worth and more value than any spiritual gift. And we've looked at a few different verses, a few different passages of Scripture. One of them is Ephesians 4, uh, verses 11 to 14. You can put that full screen because I don't think it would be readable. Um, I'm just going to read that out. It says this. And he gave, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And so whilst this is talking about some very sort of specific uh, spiritual gifts, I suppose, in, in a sense of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, the purpose there of those gifts still is more broadly can be applied to uh, all spiritual gifts in some way. And it says this, the point of spiritual gifts effectively is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, for unity in the faith, for maturity and security. The point of spiritual gifts are these four things. As we had David Strawton from Harrow speaking to us last week about the part of the role of elders and the function that elders are meant to perform, and I think it spoke so well. And I think helpfully... We need to remember that it's not just a preserve of the elders to do those things. When you look at the qualifications of, of these are the kind of people that should be made elders. It's not some super list where you go, oh, only the elders are going to be achieving that. They're the, this, the list is, this is what a mature Christian looks like. Equipping the saints. So I want to briefly just look at that because I think that's a particular phrase of importance to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints and what is the work of ministry? It's a great phrase, isn't it? Spiritual gifts, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Okay. Well, hopefully this is fairly simple. The saints, we are the saints. I don't know what sort of tradition you're from, but there used to be, you know, you had to perform three miracles and you would be sainted or you would, you know, whatever. But actually, when the Bible talks about saints, it's, saying, it's talking about the people of God, the redeemed people of God, the ones who have been brought from death, 
the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, the, that we are saints. The Freedom in Christ course, if you've ever done that, it says almost sort of too far to the extreme, it says you must never refer to yourself as a sinner. You are a saint who sins. I think we're redeemed sinners, aren't we? And I understand the, the sort of the point that they're making, and it can be helpful, but we are the saints. The church are the saints. So spiritual gifts equip the church for the work of ministry. Ministry is one of those words in the, the Christian world that has sort of taken on a life of its own. I need to discover my ministry. What, what's my ministry? Well, ministry, actually, the word means service, uh, primarily service towards God. But it, the word means service. So what's my service? It, it, people are, perhaps wouldn't be so uh, enamoured with the idea of finding their service. Um, but maybe they are, I don't know. But this, this work of ministry is primarily as a service towards God, which will be demonstrated in service and love towards others and those around us. It's not restricted to the four walls of a church building. It's not restricted to a time slot between 11 and 12 or you know, 10 and 12 on a, a Sunday morning. It's not even restricted to the community of the church family. There's a, a famous quote which is often sort of tweaked in how it's presented. Um, but it says this, the church exists for the sake of those who are still outside it. And that's credited to William Temple. It's often, as I say, sometimes the phrasing of it is slightly different. But this was the one that I could find that said this is probably what it kind of said um, but the church exists you get the point for though for the sake of those who are still outside it I can't remember whether it's on Wednesday or someone mentioned the phrase holy huddle recently that we're not meant to be a holy huddle I think in the past I've heard people talk about bomb shelter churches where everyone's sort of huddled in together and it doesn't matter what happens outside because we're okay in here that's not what the church is called to be I think there are times and seasons where you, when the church is being persecuted, actually the survival of the church and getting from day one to day two is a victory. But I think there are also opportunities to, it, it, we're not in that place at the moment. We're in a place where actually we can share the gospel with people freely without fear of persecution. And so we're not in that moment. We're, we're in a moment where we can reach out, we can be, we should be looking to bless those around us. And I'd say even in situations where the church is persecuted, the church individuals that make up the church body would be those who are still seeking to bless those around us, care for the poor and the sick. So this work of the saints is not just to preserve of the elders or a select few who are the elite When David was speaking last week, he spoke really well about pastoral care and how elders carry the, sort of the primary responsibility for pastoral care. They carry that burden of responsibility, but there's an important distinction between carrying the burden of responsibility and doing it all whilst themselves. When you look at the Bible, it says in Titus 2, 2 that older women should teach younger women. 
that there, there's sort of there's a, a, a dynamic there where there should be sort of a generational passing on of this is this is you know how to follow God as a woman. Two Timothy two two, Paul writing to Timothy says. What you've heard me teaching to people and what I've entrusted to you, entrust to other men who can entrust it to other men who can entrust it to, to faithful people. There's this idea that it's, it's not all on Paul. It's not all on Timothy. It's not all just on the elders, thank goodness. But the body must serve one another. Very simply, love the church, serve the church. Love your neighbour, serve your neighbour. The kids this morning were learning about loving your neighbour. Perhaps even more challenging, as we read this morning, love your enemy, serve your enemy. There's a little bit of, I've looked into it sort of several times over the years, the heaping burning coals on your enemy's head. Um, I've heard some strange sort of explanations of that. But generally speaking, the gist of it is that it's a good thing to do. It's not that you're burning the person and so somehow getting back at them by being nice, but it's that you're providing benefit to them. It could be that they, you know, you're giving them a burning coal, which means they can have fire, which can heat their home and they can cook and all of that sort of stuff, or various other things. But the point is, even your enemy, those who curse you, we're to love and bless them. That should, that should be a challenge and we should need God's help to do it. That should be countercultural because it's easy to love your brothers and sisters in the church sometimes. Um, it's easy to love your neighbour. James, excellent this morning saying, you know, her neighbour is Anya, who is really nice to her. So it's easy to love Anya because she's nice back. And it's like, great, well, we'll just be friendly. And, you know, it's brilliant. If someone's horrible, it's hard to love them. Horrible to you. But we should be able to love our enemy because this is what Christ has done for us. Romans 5 says that while we were sinners and enemies of God... Christ died for us in order to reconcile us back to the Father. While we were sinners and enemies of God, Christ died for us. When we look at Jesus on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, as he's being crucified, as he's being mocked, as he is experiencing one of the sort of most understand my vernacular, most ingenious methods of human degradation. That the, the cross was designed, the, the punishment of crucifixion was designed to make the person being crucified less than human. Christ did that for us. And I'm sure many of us are going, okay, Aaron, I know I'm meant to love the church and I'm meant to serve the church and I'm meant to love my neighbour and I'm meant to serve my neighbour. I even know I'm meant to love my enemy and I'm meant to serve my enemy. Okay, well, I know it all. I know that already. I've been around, you know, it's not my first, you know, time I've signed on to Zoom. I know it. What's stopping you? What's stopping us? And I think there are a few reasons I feel God highlighted to me a a couple of reasons. I want to reread uh, a section from that Romans 12 passage. 
uh, verses 3 to 8, Paul says this, uh, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So I'm going to ask you, what's stopping you? What's preventing you from serving? What's hindering your use of your gift or gifts that God has given you? And as I was preparing for this morning, I felt God highlight five things that could be stopping you out of this sort of broader passage, but uh, some other things as well. I mean, the first, I thought it might be that you don't know your gift. It might be that you're injured, whether that's physical or spiritual. You think, actually, I just, I can't do what I, I, I know what I should be doing and I know how to do it, but I just can't do it for a particular reason because of something that's happened that's preventing me. It might be that you enjoy flying solo. You think, I can do this, and you try and do it, and it just doesn't work. It might be that there's sin in your life that's preventing you. It might be that you are just losing the battle. You're just weary. So I just want to run through these very briefly and perhaps suggest a method of how to... Uh, remove that barrier it might be that you don't know your gift and I think to be honest I think this is possibly the easiest one to resolve um, and none of them are particularly difficult in some ways uh, but the easiest to resolve in some ways is that you don't know your gift because you can just have a go at doing something and if God blesses it and you find that you're supernaturally good at it that's probably a gift and you can have a go and carry on doing it um, and if it's just an absolute disaster every single time you try, then maybe that's not your gift. Um, but there are tests that you can do. You know, you can sort of take personality tests or spiritual giftedness tests, and they say, based on these questions, these might be areas that you could explore. You could try these things. You could ask someone, whoever it is that's discipling you or inputting into your life, you could say, what do you think my gifting is? Have you got any idea? Um, where, where do you think I might be a, a good area for me to try serving? And then again, you can just you can just try different things out. As we, you know, we'll be opening up, there'll be plenty of opportunities to serve. It might be that you are fantastic at welcoming people. That when people meet you, they just feel like they've met their best friend from school that they haven't talked to for a few years, even though you've never met. But it's just like instantly, hey, how you doing? Really, you know. Good connection, friendly. Might be that you're fantastic at that. It might be something else. So maybe you don't know your gift, but you can try things out and find it out. And that's, you know, we have these values as a church. We haven't talked about them much recently, but one of them is growth and development. And we want to say to people, you, hey, have a go at doing something. Doesn't go well? Have another go if you want. 
we, you know, okay, didn't go well again. Here's, you know, this, we do some feedback. Go again. You know, we're a second and third chance church, not one and done. It might be the thing that's stopping you is that you're injured. It might be a physical injury or it might be a, a spiritual injury or hurt. Maybe something has happened that's stopping you. Maybe it's physical in that you can't actually do the thing that you believe you're called to do. I believe there are some people who are carrying hurts or wounds that are spiritual. They prevent you from being able to to step out and do the thing that you know God has called you to do. And that might be because you either haven't healed properly from being hurt, or it might be because... You don't want to risk it happening again. I tried that before and it just backfired so badly. God, I know you've called me to do this thing, but when I did it, I just, no one supported me. I just didn't, I felt like I was just exposed on my own and just, it was too painful. To resolve this requires prayer and discipleship. It's okay to be injured for a while. I think if you have been in any kind of human interaction for any period of time, you will have been injured or hurt by someone. And it's okay to be hurt for a while, but you can't be on the sidelines forever. We need to pray through these things. We need to bring them before God. We need to talk through them with trusted advisors, counsellors, people who, and I don't necessarily mean professional counsellors, I mean people who would give us counsel into our lives, people who are discipling us. It may be that you need to speak to someone who is a professional counsellor and that 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 is a, a method that will help you resolve these things. But we need to put in the work in order to get fit again so that we're, our injury can be healed and recovered. Maybe what's preventing you from really, truly using your gift is that you love to fly solo. You know what you are gifted to do, or you believe you know. You're ready, you're willing to have a go at it. You've even tried a few times, but it just, nothing seems to happen. Perhaps... You're thinking too highly of yourself. Maybe. Maybe you've forgotten that we're a body. And that actually there are other body parts needed to help you function. I was... uh, Read this analogy of, you know, sometimes you might be the most gifted person. But if you haven't got the, the sort of stable stuff around you, it's like firing a cannon on a canoe. You know, you fire a cannon on a big yacht or whatever those boats are called, I can't remember, you know, three masts and all that business, and it's like the cannon rolls back and they load it up again and they fire again. You fire a cannon on a canoe, you know, everything's at the bottom of the lake before you know it. We need each other. You might be the most wonderful ideas person and you have all of these fantastic visions and this is what we could do and this is how it could work but you're absolutely useless at organizing anything 
Yeah, it's on this date. Oh, but you told so-and-so it's on the other day. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, I've forgotten. Um, I've let, all my scraps of paper that I haven't written anything coherent on. You might be fantastic at getting things done, but you're just blind to anything that you're not doing. These are not negatives that I'm saying. They're just people are just like this sometimes. Put those two people together. I've had this fantastic idea. I didn't even know that was an issue. I don't know what, how to get all of the people that are needed in that space at the same time. Well, that's exactly what I'm good at. Put those people together and it's a force to be reckoned with. I just want to say as well, if you have ideas for serving the community that you are in or that we are around as a church, <laughs> you can tell which type of person I am. Don't worry about planning too much. Just start doing stuff and we will catch up with you. The church will catch up with you. Now, obviously, communicate effectively. Andy's looking at me. I can't tell if, <laughs> if he's despairing or not <laughs> behind his mask. But I think... I would say this is what I have observed over a sort of a number of years is lots of people, planning is great, lots of people plan their idea to death before they've even got started. And so I want to say to you as one of the elders, and Andy's sort of just done an mm-hmm, so I'm taking that as a we're united on this, go for it and we will catch up with you. If, that, you, know, if you want to start packaging up certain, you know, set of goodies or whatever, you know, I'm not going to list things, but a pack for people who are homeless and you want to go around and deliver those to homeless people, start doing it. Start doing it and we'll catch up with you. If you've got this idea that you want to do, start doing it and we'll catch up with you. Don't fly solo, other than what I've just said. Um, <laughs> Fly solo, but say, come with me, look what I'm doing. Um, maybe there's sin in your life that's stopping you from using your gifts, that you've, you've moved out of step with the Spirit because of something that you've done, that you know you're doing, that you know you need to resolve. You need to, you need to confess your sin to someone. 1 John 1, 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us cleansing us from all unrighteousness. In Isaiah 1, the Lord says, though your sins were like scarlet, I almost said though your skins were like scarlet, it might be like that this afternoon, uh, though your sins were like scarlet, they will be made white as snow. This, I think, actually requires bravery, but is almost as easy as the first one to resolve. If you know there's sin in your life that needs to be dealt with, it requires the courage to perhaps get with someone that you trust, that you know loves you, and say, I need to confess this sin. I need to pr bring this before God. Will you pray with me? And then it's done. It's, it's washed away. Now, there might be repercussions that need to be dealt with there might be sort of you know things that have been brought up that need to be dealt with but it's it you're right before God it's gone it's been washed away you're cleansed though it was like scarlet it's now white as snow 
there's sin in your life, deal with it. Maybe you're just losing the battle. Maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just that you're weary. You just think, oh, I just feel like I'm just trying to drum up some energy all the time. There's just nothing in the tank. Maybe the last year has taken its toll. I'm sure it has. I know I have felt very sort of emotionally drained, sort of mentally drained, trying to you know, react for 15 months to, oh, we can do this. Oh, no, we can't now. Okay, well, okay, let's plan for this date. No, oh, no, we can't do that now. Okay, well, what about this? No, we can't do that. On top of that, you know, God in his wonderful, infinite humour um, has sort of spoken to us at various points and said, that series that you planned, don't do it, do this. And it's like, okay, more change, fantastic. Um, maybe you need a win. Maybe you just think, oh, I just, just need a win in some way, something positive to happen where I see some sign of life and then I can, I'll be energised. You can't win if you don't play the game. If you're not engaged, if you're not willing to go, God, I'm going to step out again. You're very rarely going to see a win. If you feel, I need, I need that energy again. I need, sort of, I need God, I need you to sort of recapture, restart that fire in me. I would suggest to you, go and read the Gospels again. Look at the life of Jesus. Just think, okay, what does Jesus do? How can I copy that? Okay, he takes himself off, he prays. He talks to people about what he sees the Father do. He's talking about the things of God. Maybe you haven't had a conversation with anyone about the things of God for a while. What's God doing in your life? What's God calling you to? Just have those kinds of conversations. And remember that Jesus has already won. That's the ultimate win. So those are the, the five things that I felt God highlight that maybe they resonate with you, that you don't know your gift, that you're injured, that you're flying solo, that there's sin in your life, that you are just weary from losing the battle. So how do we respond? We respond with PDA, not public displays of affection, but prayer, discipleship and action. Prayer. You can be prayed for this morning. There are people who are going to be in breakout rooms waiting to pray for you, waiting to talk through any of this stuff. There are explore groups that you can be part of where you can pray with people, people who can, you know, who know your life a bit more. Again, I would encourage you, if you're not part of a, you know, we talk about 72, 12 and the three Explore group is a group of 12-ish, you know, that they know your life. But then there's the three where people, they really, they know what's the hurts that you're carrying, the, the intimate details of your life. Get in that kind of three discipleship relationship. And then act. Take action. Don't think, oh, well, someone will ask me to be part of a three. Be the one who's proactive. So in terms of responses this morning, you can respond if you want to be, if you want to know an increase in love, whether that's love for the church or your neighbor or even your enemy. If you think, I just, I just know I don't love one of those things the way that I should do, 
you can respond for prayer this morning. If you don't know your gift, you can talk to your explore group leaders or one of the elders if you're not in a group and do that this week. So how can I discover what my gifting is? Ask, just ask that question. If you know that you are injured, whether that's physically or spiritually, you can receive prayer this morning or I would say contact someone this afternoon to pray with you this week. Just on that, I don't know if there's anyone at home or anyone here, has anyone got a, like a pain in their left shoulder, like a chronic pain? No one in here. You do? Okay, right. I have had, since yesterday, every now and again, just like a real sharp shooting pain in my left shoulder. So I'll pray with you afterwards, Ray. Um, that's good. There you go. That's me taking a bit of a risk. I thought, is that just I've got a sore shoulder or is that, uh, you know, some kind of sympathetic pain that the Lord's been giving me? So I'll, I'm praying that it is a sympathetic one because it's not very pleasant. Um, and we pray that you're healed. Okay. If you've been flying solo... Uh, Again, talk to your leader, share your idea, share your thoughts. Make sure that you're, you've got some accountability and some support. If you know that you've got sin in your life, you could pray with someone this morning, or if it's a particularly sensitive topic, you might want to meet up and pray with someone in person. But do that before, you know, do that this afternoon. Before the England game, contact someone. There's a deadline for you. If it's a long-standing issue, you know, someone who asks someone to keep you accountable. If you're losing the battle, get prayed for this morning for renewed energy and speak to someone who can say, you know, I just need some encouragement. Can you just send me an encouraging thing every day? I'll tell you what, you know, listen to the, go on YouTube, SM Lockridge, my king. Listen to that first thing in the morning. You know, that'll blow your socks off and you're good for the day. And then finally, I want to read this chapter from Romans over us as a kind of rallying call to service once more. So don't switch off. I know I read this before, but I'm going to read it. It'll take about three minutes, maybe. So I'm going to go over by three minutes. But as I'm reading this, ask God, speak to me, speak, highlight a verse to me. What do I need to respond to in prayer? This is Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. 
Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Let me pray for us and then people can go to breakout rooms. If you want to stay in the main room to just chat with people, you can do that. Uh, people here can sort of mingle around as much as they're allowed to within the rules. And I'll pray for you uh, afterwards, Ray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. You loved us even while we were your enemies. That you have demonstrated love for the enemy by coming and saving us, Lord Jesus by sacrificing yourself, by giving up yourself to death, even death on a cross for us while we hated you. Thank you for that. Let us live likewise. Let us give of ourselves even to those who persecute and curse us. Let us serve you well. We pray for more of your Holy Spirit, for release of gifting, for people to begin to run and say, come and follow me. Look what I'm doing. Look what God's doing over here. Let's go. Pray for moments of that. That as we come back together as a church, there will be an enthusiasm to see the, the gifts at work. That we're not just a group of people that are friendly to each other, having a sing song and listening to a motivational talk. We are the people of God encountering the living God. We're your people, Lord, here for your purposes, to do your will. Bless us, I ask, in Jesus' name, amen.